Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. Hebrews can be a a confusing book if you don't understand where it fits dispensationally. Uh, In fact, a lot of People get confused about a lot of things out of the book of Hebrews. And um, the, you know, Hebrews is, is very much a transitional book. It's, it's going from old to new. You see that, that distinction over and over and over again. And uh, here in Hebrews chapter 5, if we just begin in verse 1, It says, for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so with the, with the perfection of that work, he can serve as a high priest for the nation of Israel. Now, you know, in Paul's epistles, he does not refer to Christ as our high priest. Uh, Christ is our head. Even in a few places, he refers to him as our king. But never does he refer to him as as our high priest. This is all something that has to do with Israel. And you realize that there are... There are, are, are spiritual things that have to do with Israel, and there are spiritual things that have to do with the body of Christ. And they have some similarities between them. Certainly we can, we can uh, read a passage like this in, in uh, the book of Hebrews and see some things that would apply to us. But the way we know that what, what applies to us is because we, you know, we compare it back over with what the Apostle Paul writes to the body of Christ. And uh, we can see the similarities and things there. But, but uh, Christ serves as a high priest for the nation of Israel. And um, not only that, he serves as a king for the nation of Israel, a prophet for the nation of Israel. Um, he, he serves in all those positions. But uh, he has a, a priesthood uh, with respect to that nation. And uh, verse verse eleven, we'll go on a little bit farther here into these into these chapters. We're not going to cover um, all of chapters five and six, but um, the 
you know, when you when you uh, move from verse 10 to, to verse 11, you're kind of changing gears a little bit. In fact, there's a little bit of rebuke here for these Hebrews. In fact, you, you, you see that throughout the book. There's, there's some teaching about, you know, usually a comparison, old, new, and then why aren't you guys going forward into the new? And, and you see in verse 11, it says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And this this group of people that this author is writing to, they were not new believers. These were not, you know, he he says the time ye ought to be teachers. These these are people who this isn't the first they've heard of these things that that uh, the author here is writing to them. Um, he's saying you know these things well enough. You ought to be teachers. But instead of being teachers, because you keep you keep halting between these two opinions, because you keep going back to these old things, you continually have this need for somebody to, to come back and go back to these first principles and, and you know, make these things clear for you. Um, ver- chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ... Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. See, those things that that he lists there, those are the foundational things of this this kingdom program, Uh, this you know, this uh, remnant of Israel that are the the intended audience here. Uh, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, uh, laying on of hands. Notice it's not one baptism there in that verse, but baptisms. There are baptisms that are part of the foundational things for Israel. Uh, resurrection, eternal judgment. He says we're going we're gonna to leave those things behind and we're going to go into some some... Other things. We're going to move on, go on unto perfection. Chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. See, those things that, that he lists there, those are the foundational things of this this kingdom program, um, this you know, this uh, remnant of Israel that are the, the intended audience here. Uh, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, baptisms, uh, laying on of hands. Notice it's not one baptism there in that verse, but baptisms. There are baptisms that are part of the foundational things for Israel. Uh, resurrection, eternal judgment. He says we're going we're gonna to leave those things behind and we're going to go into some some 
other things. We're going to move on, go on unto perfection. And verse 4 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Now this is where we're going to spend most of the, the rest of our time here, because now here again is this, is this warning. Okay? And... As you know, he, he tells them, they ought to be they ought to be teachers. They ought to be ones teaching these things. But they keep having somebody need to come back and and teach them the basic things. And there's a warning here uh, about some people that it describes as having been once enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, made partakers of the Holy Ghost. It says they've tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. The warning is, it says, if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again unto repentance. Uh, in fact, he says that what they do is they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. And, and what he's describing here are some people who are halting between two opinions. Um, some people that aren't going on to, to perfection. And by going backwards, they put themselves in a position where it says it's impossible to renew them to repentance again. Now, um, let me let me tell you that what's being described here in this passage is not. I don't believe it to be a loss of salvation in that sense, but it's a it's a revealing of who's really saved and who isn't. Okay. Uh, the the language there in verses four and five um, is the language is all very tentative. When it describes them, it, it says that they were once enlightened, and we might we might think on reading that uh, initially, and also when it says they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, uh, we might think, well, these must be saved people, right? They must be they must be. Uh, Believers who then turn back, but but keep in mind how uh, a word like enlightened is used in the scripture. It's a, it's the same word that's used there, uh, for instance, when it, it talks of Jesus Christ as the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Okay, it's it's not necessarily used of somebody who's actually receiving that light and and believing it. Um, but it's often used of somebody to whom light is available, right? I mean, you can, you can, uh, what, what did, uh, uh, the Gospels say about, about Christ as the light that, that men hated the light because their deeds were evil. Now, they were enlightened, but they ran away from it because it exposed some things about them. Okay, so so it's not necessarily uh, here describing somebody who has 
received light from the Lord, but it's somebody certainly upon whom some light has shined. And, um, and even the, the term there when it says that they were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, uh, partaker to take part in something. Um, it, the, the, uh, some have said that the term there uh, has the idea of going along with something. Uh, you understand that, that when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, now there were people that believed on the Holy Spirit. There were other people who mocked, for instance, mocked Peter and, and uh, the twelve, and they were speaking in tongues, and they said they're, they're filled with new wine. But there were a whole lot of people that were kind of in the middle. Kind of, let's, let's see where this is going to go. Um, an example I, I think of, go over in the book of Acts, go to Acts chapter 5. And um, describes a, a man here, member of the council. And in fact, uh, the man that's mentioned here is named Gamaliel. Uh, Gamaliel was the Apostle Paul's teacher in Judaism before he came to know Christ. Uh, not only that, Gamaliel, even today among observant Jews, is considered one of the most authoritative rabbis in Judaism. And in fact, who most would point to as the most authoritative rabbi in Judaism was Gamaliel's grandfather, Hillel, um, you know, also a very, very important rabbi in Judaism. So this Gamaliel doesn't get a lot of mention in Scripture. He's mentioned as being Paul's teacher, and he's mentioned here as uh, being on the uh, on the council there. But this was a very important man within the, the Jewish religion. And uh, the, the events that are taking place here, um, Peter and, and uh, the apostles have been brought before the council, and they've been ordered not to preach in Jesus' name. And if you see verse 29, for instance, uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Right? They, I mean, they're so enraged at, at this message, uh, these men standing before them, that they're going to put them to death. But you see verse 34, Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Theudas, boasting himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about four hundred, joined themselves, who was slain. And all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. 
And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. Now, you see there, he doesn't, he doesn't believe what they're saying, but he's saying, let's just, let's just kind of wait and see a little bit. Um, you know, by this point, they had, those, those members of the, of the council, I mean, they had seen things that they knew were miracles. They couldn't deny that they were miracles. Um, you know, they saw the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the, you know, the power that these men had. And while, while seems like most of the council there want to just put them to death, Gamaliel stands up and says, let's just, let's just hold on a minute here. Uh, let's wait and see. If it's not of God, we've seen these, these movements come and go. If it's not of God, same thing is going to happen to them. If it is of God, he allows the possibility that it may be of God. If it is of God, he says, we don't, we don't want to fight against God. Alright? Now, there's no evidence that Gamaliel ever became a believer. Um, you know, certainly, certainly, um, what was going on here with Peter and the, and the apostles didn't, didn't go away in the sense that these other movements went away. Right? Um, but, you know, like I say, there's, there's no evidence that, uh, that Gamaliel became a believer. But you see how, he, you see how tentative he is there about what's going on. There's, there's something happening there. But, uh, but he's not willing to, to believe it. I think that's the kind of person that's being described uh, there in Ephesians chapter 6. And what it's saying is, when that person comes to a, a decision in the negative, when they come to that decision where they're going to, to turn away from that light that's available to them, they're never going to come to repentance. Now, it's important not to, you know, not to take a passage like this and, and try and force it upon the body of Christ. Okay? There's, there's nothing, you wouldn't find anything like this in Paul's epistles, for instance. Um, you know, the, when you consider that the primary application of a book like the book of Hebrews is in the last days, you realize that what's going on there is there's a, there's a polarizing that is taking place in that tribulation period. Where the, the unbelieving world is going to march in lockstep for the most part behind the Antichrist. And the believers are going to be the ones who resist. Um, the, you see over and over again, though you see promises that for the believing remnant, they're not going to fall away. Uh, for instance, when, when it describes the, the work and power of the Antichrist that he has because of Satan. It talks about the, the signs and wonders that are going to be done. It, it says that they would, if it were possible, they would deceive even the very elect. The idea is it's not possible. Those, those things are so conven- uh, convincing that if it were possible, even the elect would be convinced. But it's not possible. And, and so you're going to have people out uh, among the believers, among the saints that may, you know, are going to claim to be believers and, and, uh, maybe are, are very convincing themselves. But as time goes by, what's true and what's false is going to be separated. 
that's the wheat and the tares, right? The, the wheat and the tares and, and the, uh, the master there says, don't try and, don't try and, uh, go and, you know, pull up all the tares because you're going to damage the wheat. Let them grow together until the end. And then, then they're going to be separated out. Then you're going to see what's, what's real and what's not. Uh, it's not a, it's not a law when those tares and wheat and tares are separated. Uh, it's not that the, you know, that something that was formerly wheat becomes a tear. It was a tear all along. It's just, that's where, that's where they're separated and, you know, uh, you see what's real and what's not. Um, you know, when you, people who deal with, with, uh, metals, they use an acid test to, to determine if you have something that you think is gold, uh, they'll take, take that gold and, and, uh, rub it on a, a black rock and it leaves a mark there and then they take nitric acid and nitric acid will destroy, or not destroy, but dissolve anything that's not gold. So they put the nitric acid on there. If the mark disappears, it was something else. If the mark stays there, it's gold. It's not, it's not that gold turned into something else. It's that you just, you just proved what it was. You just proved whether it was real or not. And, and that's what's going on here back in, in Hebrews chapter six. These are people who had some light available to them. They, they maybe went along. They were, they took part in some things that the Holy Spirit was doing. Uh, you notice he uses the word taste there a couple of times. And, and the picture is of somebody who's kind of, they're, they're taking a taste of something, seeing what it's like, you know, when you're, you're going to taste something. Um, you're trying it out. They're not, they're not, uh, they're not feasting on it, but they're tasting. They've tasted of the heavenly gift. They've seen the signs and miracles. They've, you know, maybe even, maybe even, uh, experienced some of those things, uh, upon themselves. They've tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. But if they fall away from that, when they come to the point where they reject it, it says that that uh, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. You know, again, thinking about future things, uh, people people question once in a while about, uh, you know, if a if a believer were to take the mark of the beast, uh, what would happen? The believers in that day aren't going to take the mark of the beast. God's working with them in such a way to to preserve them. From that. Now that's somewhat different from how God's working today. And, and not only that, um, somebody who take the, the other question that then goes along with that is, well, what if somebody takes the mark of the beast and then, and then, uh, they believe the gospel? That's not going to happen either. It's when somebody's come to that point and they've made that decision, it says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. And, um, what it says of them is it says that what, what they do by that, by that action of falling away, it says that they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. Now, I can't think of anything more worthy of the wrath and judgment of God than crucifying the Son of God, unless it be crucify Him again after He's already been crucified once. Right? They, it says they crucify him 
afresh. They crucified themselves, the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And and he describes there, you know, the earth that brings forth fruit and the earth that brings forth thorns. But I want you to notice verse nine. You notice what the author of Hebrews says to the people he's writing to. He says, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. Now, he's giving them a warning, right? But he says, we're convinced better things of you and things that accompany... We're, we're convinced that you have the things that accompany salvation, that you really are saved, and you're not going to fall away. Even though, he says, even though I'm speaking kind of, kind of harshly to you, be... He's saying, be, you know, be certain that his opinion of them is that they really are saved. That they have the things that accompany salvation, even though he says, even though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, in that kind of a system, where does your assurance lie? How do you have assurance of salvation? The way you have assurance of salvation is that you're doing the works that accompany salvation. I hope that's not where your assurance is today. But you see, you see what uh, the author of Hebrews says there. We desire that every one of you do show the same diligence, diligence to do the work and labor of love, uh, do the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Their assurance is that they're doing the work. As long as they're doing the work, they know that they're saved. As long as they're continuing on in these things, they know that they're saved because if they don't continue, that shows they weren't saved. Your assurance isn't based on that. Um, Paul says that the... the uh, he certainly says, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But what does he say? He says, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And um, your assurance is not in that you are diligently uh, continuing on. I, I hope you are. Um, certainly you ought to be. But your assurance as a member of the body of Christ is in that, that uh, finished work of Christ on the cross. Um, your assurance is based in those promises from God's Word that apply to you. And um, never let somebody take a passage like that and cause you to question your salvation. In fact, in fact, the first thing, I mean, regardless of what the passage means, the first thing you know is that it doesn't have anything to do with the body of Christ anyway. Right? That's the first thing you know. And um, that's what I say when you, when you rightly divide the Scripture. It can give you a clarity. It can help you to avoid some of those pitfalls and, and traps that uh, people fall into uh, where, they, where they think that maybe they lost their salvation. Your salvation is as secure as 
Christ himself because you're made a member of his body. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our security and our assurance that we have in your son. And um, we, we again thank you for the clarity that the right division of your word gives to these issues. Um, I pray that if there are any here that, that are not saved, that they would uh, come to fully rely upon your grace and the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary uh, for their eternal life. And if there are any here that doubt their salvation, um, that the, they would have the, the same attitude of faith to, to return to that gospel of the grace of God um, and, and not to be confused by these things that have to do with Israel. We uh, thank you for who you've made us to be in your son. We thank you for the, the security and the assurance that we have in him. And it's in his name we pray. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.